Amen. You good? So you are the service that has had extra caffeine. So you have no excuse to be quiet this morning or sleepy this morning or... We just had a great service before you. They ran out of chairs. That's always a good problem to have in church. But we're so thrilled you're here and in the house today. And I came all the way from across the pond to be with this incredible church family. And we had a great time at Cultivate. And uh, it was awesome to see what God did. But I was so thrilled that I get to be with the church because I'm a builder of the house of God. I love the house of God. We need the house of God. And I know that's the heart of your team and your leaders and Ulla and Anika are very special friends to my husband and I. And so every time I get to be with you, I just feel a sense of let's just build together, let's grow together. And so we're family, whether you like it or not, you are stuck with an English relative. And so I want to ask you to stand to your feet because we're going to get ready to enter the Word of God. I kind of do this as a custom whenever I'm about to open the Word and preach because I'm just aware that oftentimes we can go into autopilot at this moment. We can get our phones out and pretend we're going to open the Word on the phone when really we're checking Instagram. Or we can kind of get cozy in our chair and begin to kind of kind of lay back. And I just want you to understand that what's about to happen is lives are about to be transformed. And one of those lives can be yours. It's up to you what happens in these next few moments. God's Word is powerful and it can change us and it can make us better and we all can do better. Every single one of us is on the journey of getting better. It doesn't matter how long you've served God, how much you think you know, we all can do better. But we can't do it on our own. We need God's help to do the better. And sometimes we don't even know how to do better and so we need His Word to show us areas where He wants to help us be better. And so today the Holy Spirit is here to help you and help me be all He's called us to be. So all I need in this moment is for you to give God permission to do that. He's not a bully. He doesn't force Himself on us. He says, I'm inviting you to change. And I'm going to help you change. But you've got to be willing to change. So God, we stand in Your presence. We can't believe that we actually get to stand in your presence. Who are we that you would call us sons and daughters? God, we thank you for this word, the living, active word that comes to help us, not to hurt us, to change us so that we can look more like you. God, today I pray every heart would give you permission for you to change and challenge what needs changing and challenging, to correct what needs correction and to improve where God there needs to be change. God, give us willing hearts and ears to hear. God, I pray I would get out of the way so that you can have your way in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may take your seat. About six months ago, a journey began for me that I am still in the middle of. I don't know how long this journey is going to be. It may be a journey that is a forever kind of journey. But it's a journey that has changed me and is changing me. It has actually changed our church. It's changed my marriage, my family, my ministry. And I today want to invite you to go on the same journey. It will ask of you and demand of you. 
it will require some adjustments in you. But if you say yes to the journey, I'm telling you, it will begin to make the year ahead so much better, so much more exciting, so much more potential. And I think some of you are ready to not have a year that just repeats what happened the year before. But that requires a change. The way that the journey began for me was that I was at home. I just got back from a trip away. I was kind of tired. I was in the worship. And I just sensed God put this kind of phrase in my heart. I knew it was God because it made no sense. And, uh, I, and I was like, I don't even know, God, what you're asking. And so I jotted it down in a journal. And I just thought, you know, when I have some time, I'm going to ask God, what does he mean? Because what God said to me in that worship service was, Charlotte, I'm going to ask you to be willing to re-enter the room. And that phrase, re-enter the room, has become something that has been kind of my phrase for the last six months. Because I began to realize we all do life in a lot of rooms. There are a lot of rooms in all of our world that we spend time in every single day. The room of our marriage, the room of our parenting, the room of our business, the room of our hobbies and interests, the room of our friendships, even down to the things like the room of our worship, the room of our prayer, the room of our serving, the room of our giving. All of these areas are rooms in our lives that we spend time in, that we have conversations in, that we kind of unpack our lives in. And I felt God asking me to be willing to re-enter the very rooms that I had become very familiar with. There's something about re-entering with God's eyes, re-entering with fresh vision, re-entering with a new sense of perspective that begins for you to see things that you are actually right now overlooking or even have discarded. And I don't know where in your life this message needs to start first, but for me, it began with several rooms and now has become every single room in my life. I'm saying to God, God, help me re-enter the room. We can all go through seasons in life where we're disappointed or we get offended or things happen where we feel like it shouldn't look the way it does or maybe somebody betrays us or we just get tired and weary or disillusioned. And it's at those times in our life when the enemy gets really busy building off ramps for your destiny. He begins to tell you that you should leave the room. He begins to tell you that you should take your offense and walk out of the door. He begins to tell you that you should leave the marriage or walk away from the relationship because it's just too difficult to stay in the room. So why don't you leave the room? But actually what I've discovered is that God is a God of restoration and God is a God of new beginnings and God is a God that does not want to waste what you have invested years of your time and life into thus far just because you couldn't find the energy or the willingness to re-enter some spaces that actually God is well able for you to find a fresh love and a fresh passion for if you'll just allow him to to help you re-enter the room. And so I'm inviting you today to think of your life and all of the rooms that it involves. And I'm asking you the question, where do you need to be willing to re-enter the room? 
once I began to think about this in my own life, it was kind of like one of those experiences where I don't know if you've ever bought a vehicle, a new vehicle, and you're so excited to get the new vehicle, and you get the vehicle, and you take it out on the road for the first time. And as you take it out on the road for the first time, you're like, what just happened? Because in the first five minutes, you see 15 people driving the same vehicle. You thought you got something really exclusive and really rare, and then everybody seems to have the same vehicle. And, and the truth is, they didn't buy their vehicle overnight. They always had it, but until you owned one of them, you never saw any of the others of them. And sometimes it's the same spiritually. Until you own something in your heart, you can't see it. But once you own it, you're going to see it everywhere. Once you say yes to re-entering the room, God's going to go, well, should we do this one too? And while we're at it, should we do this one too? And you realize, wow, what I thought was a one-off decision is actually a lifelong commitment. And once I began to own this responsibility, because that's what it is, to re-enter the room, I opened my Bible and I couldn't believe how many people in the Bible re-entered the room. I had never seen it that way before, but now that I owned it, it was everywhere. From Moses who tried to escape the call on his life and God's like, uh, you're going to re-enter the room of your calling. You don't get to check out right now. To David who messed up with Bathsheba who says, I am done. There's no future for me. And God's like, wipe your tears, get back up, worship me once more because you have to re-enter the call on your life for such a time as this. Down to Joseph who had to re-enter a conversation with the brothers that left him for dead, down to Jacob who stole from his own family and took the inheritance that belonged to his elder brother and Jacob had to go back. God said, you're going to go back to the same family that you stole from and you're going to re-enter the room of your relationship because I am the God of restoration. Down to the story of the prodigal who said, I don't want to be here. I don't like it here. I want my money. I want my car keys. I am so out of here to do my thing only to find a few months later, God humbles his heart. And he doesn't have the same swagger as when he walked out of the room. But now he comes back with a bended knee and a softened heart and realizes, I want to re-enter the room that I thought I could live without. So once you begin to look in your word, you're going to find that God is the God of re-entry, is the God of new beginnings, is the God of let's try again. He's not the God of let's throw it away, let's destroy it, let's walk out, let's slam the door. That's not the nature of the God we serve. God wants to help every single one of us re-enter the room. We become so familiar with some of the rooms in our life. And it's a challenge, therefore, for us to individually say, you know what, what does the room of worship look like in my life? When did we make the room of worship about singing my favorite songs? When did we make it about a certain volume level that we feel is acceptable? When did we make it about we don't like people wearing those jeans or jumping up and down? When did we make it about coming into church late with a latte in our hands scrolling through social media while worship has already begun? When did we make it about all of that top writing songs that become hits and selling albums? When did we make it about something that it is not about? When the room of worship is entering the holy of 
holies. It's giving him our adoration and our thanksgiving. It is a sacred moment between you and your Savior. Worship is not an optional extra or a warm-up act before the main course. Worship is something that is pure and holy. So we got to re-enter some rooms. When we did, we make the Bible about somebody giving us a podcast or somebody giving us a fast food takeaway meal every Sunday that we somehow try and live off all week through. When did we make the word about that? When did we forget that we got to re-enter the word of God and understand that the word of God is living and active, that the word of God is powerful? When did we stop honoring the word? When did we stop responding to the word? When did we start to take the word so much for granted that we don't even open it for ourselves. We've got to re-enter the room of our prayer life and our generosity and our serving. And so once you get beginning on this, <laughs> there's a lot of rooms you realize, I think it's time for me to re-enter. And so for the purpose of this morning, I want to take some time to study someone that had to re-enter the room. We find him in this part of scripture, kind of disappointed. Maybe that's you today. A little disillusioned, maybe that's you today. He's a little embarrassed and he's carrying some shame because of some mistakes that he's made. Maybe that's you today. He feels kind of out of a connection with the community he's from. He feels a, a, a question about the destiny that's on his life. He's asking all the questions about do, is, does it matter and where do I fit? Maybe that's you today. But he is about to re-enter the room. And if he can re-enter the room, so can you. His name is Peter. And when we join his story in John 21, Peter is in a place where he has more questions than he has answers. But Peter is about to do something that I have heard people preach from. And they've kind of said, you know, this was Peter failing. Because Peter's about to go back to fishing. Peter the disciple, Peter the preacher, Peter the world changer is going back to fishing. And I've heard people say it was kind of his ultimate failing moment. Kind of quitting on all he knew. But I want to make a suggestion today that actually this was not his failing moment. I think it was one of his finest moments. Because I don't think Peter was going back to fishing because he was quitting. I actually wonder whether Peter was actually going back to fishing because he was trying to go back to the place where he first met a man that changed his life forever. He was trying to go back to re-enter the room of where he last knew what he was called to do. He was trying to go back and re-enter the place where everything became clear for him, where he discovered, actually, I'm not just a fisher, but I'm a fisher of men. I wonder whether Peter was actually creating a scenario so that he could walk his own soul through a re-enter the room moment. And Peter, in John 21, is about to recreate a moment. And because Peter is willing to go back to a place in his heart and mind to try and re-enter the clarity that he once had, God is going to show up in every moment you create where you say, God, I'm recreating a scenario in my life to re-enter what it is you've called my life towards. 
When you decide to do that, I'm telling you, just like this happened for Peter, Jesus shows up on the shore. And now in John 21, we are about to read people, which blows my mind, the exact same story unfold as unfolded the first time in Luke 5. I mean, scene by scene. He is about to have the exact same experience that he first had when he first met Jesus. Down to the boat, down to the nets, down to catching nothing, down to Jesus calling him, down to him figuring out what he's on the planet to do. Because when you decide that you are willing to re-enter the room, Jesus will show up to help you re-enter the room. So let's join the story that's in John 21 as Peter is about to re-enter the room. Peter says, I'm going fishing. And the disciples said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat. But that night, guess what? Just like in Luke 5, they caught nothing. Now listen, it wasn't that there weren't any fish in the water. There were fish down there because the fish are going to show up in a few moments. But these fish were under divine guidance because even the fish had a part to play in the re-enter the room moment. So, so God's like, hey fish, you're not allowed to move just yet because we have a whole scene before you show up that we can't skip. Like he needs to remember what it's like to have empty nets. He needs to remember the last time his nets were empty and how I filled them. So all the fish are like over here in my mind, in my imagination when I read the Bible. This is how my brain works. I see all the fish like this. Hold it, boys. Hold it, boys. Hold it. Like they're desperate to get in the net, but they're like, not yet, not yet, not yet. Because scene by scene, God's like, I'm going to take you back there. I'm going to take you back to when you were in the boat with your net and there was nothing in it. I'm going to take you back to the moment when you met me and I began to speak over your life and the net that was empty began to be filled all over again. I'm going to take you back and remind you of that moment when you could not believe what your eyes were seeing. I'm going to help you re-enter the room. So as they are out there and the fish are under divine guidance to stay still, Hold back. Their nets are empty. And Jesus shows up on the shore, just like he will on the shore of your re-entry moment. But the disciples have no idea that it is Jesus because it's not time for them to know yet. And then Jesus does something pretty cruel. He calls out to these guys who fished all night. And Jesus knows there's nothing in the net because he knows the fish are not allowed to move yet. And Jesus shouts out from the shore, friends, you got any fish? It's like Jesus, you know the answer. This is embarrassing. Why are you making them tell you they have failed fishing all night? I mean, can we not just skip this part? This is kind of awkward. Can we not just avoid this conversation? But here's the thing about Jesus. When you get ready to re-enter the room, he wants it all on the table. He wants it all on the table. He wants you to admit there is an elephant in the room. 
Because he can't help you move the elephant out the room till you admit you see the elephant in the room. And you can come to church every Sunday and you can worship like you are an angelic angel. And you can go home and have a big gray elephant at the dining table over lunch that you refuse to tell anybody about. And you wonder why you can't find the new energy, new love, new passion to re-enter the room. Because there's not enough room for you and the elephant. Somebody has to go. So Jesus says, I have a question. Caught any fish? Kind of would sound like this in our world. Hey, friend, does your marriage suck? He's like, Jesus, that is a really hard question. He's like, no, it's not hard. I know it sucks. You know it sucks. She knows it sucks. Your kids know it sucks. Your friends know it sucks. Your neighbor knows it sucks. We all know it sucks. Just asking you to be honest. Because you want to re-enter the room and it not to suck? Then we got to start there. Friends, are you offended? I know you're offended. They know you're offended. The whole way you're acting tells us all you're offended. So if you would like to re-enter the room called peace, called joy, we have to talk about the elephant called offended. Because you don't have to have it in the room anymore. But you will have to re-enter the room to remove it. Friend, are you burnt out? See, God is not afraid of the answer. He already knows the answer. He just needs you to get honest so that you can actually re-enter the room. So Jesus, friends, have you caught any fish? No. That was the right answer. No. See, if they'd have said yes, how can he do the miracle? If you're telling him your net's full, why does you need him to release the fish to fill your net? No, we caught nothing, they say. And so Jesus shouts, they still don't know it's Jesus. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Yes, you will. <laughs> And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish, just like the first time. First thing you've got to be willing to re-enter is you've got to re-enter your nets. Jesus is like, you want this whole thing, this re-entry moment? Peter, you've got to put your net back in. You took your net out because you were disappointed. You took your net out because you went on Instagram and everybody else's net seemed better and fuller. So you took your net out. You took your net out because somebody said something you didn't like. You took your net out because you got removed on that position in the team and somebody else got given what you think you should have been given. You took your net out because of what they said about you or the comment you read on Facebook. But I'm telling you, if you want to re-enter the room, you've got to put your net back in. Got to put your willingness back in. Got to put your gift back in. You got to put your time back in. You got to put your talent back in. You got to put your energy back in. You got to get back in. Put your net back in. Some of you used to be so generous. Put your net back in. Give again. Some of you used to serve. Put your net back in and serve again. Well, I got overused and I got burnt out. Welcome to the club. What do you think is going to happen? We're busy building the kingdom of God. It does get kind of tired sometimes. 
But if every tired person took their net out, we've reached nobody and catch nothing. So we just got to put our net back in and go again. Put your net back in. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, and we all need a friend like this in our world. His mate goes, Peter, dude, it's the Lord. Like the guy on the shore. I had a funny feeling about, he looked familiar. It's Jesus. Y'all need a friend that nudges you in service and go, I think she's speaking to you. This is the Lord. He got your number. Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Peter hears that it is the Lord, it says Peter all of a sudden gets up, wraps his garment around himself, and Peter jumps in the water. Because the second thing you have to do is you have to re-enter the water. Some of you are so dry. Your marriage, your relationships, your conversations, everything about your life is dry. And you're wondering why it's dry. Because you got out of the water, the water of worship, the water of His Word, the water of loving Him, the water of, of being underneath an open heaven and saturated by His presence. You don't live that way anymore. And you wonder why your life feels dry because you got out of the water. And Peter was not born to be on land. Peter was born to be the one that was passionate and jumping in. Peter was the guy that before he thought, he said it. Peter was the guy who was in energy and enthusiasm, got him into a lot of trouble, but somehow Jesus loved and encouraged it. Peter was the guy who was like, maybe I can walk on water too. Before he had time to process, this is probably not going to go well for me. He was walking on water. That was who he was. So when he hears it's Jesus, something inside him reignites. He's like, Jesus, I am making my, I ain't got time to row, row, row this boat gently down the stream. I'm going to get in the water and swim to him. You ever go on vacation and you're in the pool and you're just so happy to have a break and you find yourself a little spot in the pool and you're kind of all cozy in the corner and you've already planned your little nap that you're going to have. And as you're just quietly sitting there, out of the corner of your eye, you spot a family that have just shown up at the pool and they have a lot of excitable children. And there's one child in particular who's really excited about the pool. And that child, before you can do anything about it, is already backing up to get the best run they possibly can. And before you know it, they have run towards the edge and Geronimo, they are in the water and your moment of peace is destroyed. And you are wet when you did not really want to be any more wet than from here down. And you roll your eyes and you make a loud sigh to let the parents know you disapprove of the unruly child. And then you exit the pool to find a quiet spot. But you used to be that child. You were that kid. 
You were the one that was so excited to get in the water. You were the one that was so grateful that someone took you on vacation. You were the one that went, I can't believe I get to be here. That's who you used to be. But now you become the guy in the corner rolling your eyes. Now you become, instead of a dive bomber, a toe dipper. You just toe dip for Jesus. I'll give you half a hand raised, Jesus. I know you sent your only son to die on a cross for me and all that, but right now I'm more mature. Right now I have my cool outfit on. So right now I'll give you half a hand for sending your only son. You used to be the crazy. You used to be the fun. You used to be the adventurer. You used to be, let's go. You used to be, I'm going to serve. You used to be, I'm going to give. You used to be the one that was excited. Your marriage used to be so fun and you would laugh and there would be so much energy and there would be so many good things that you were planning and adventures you were going on and dreams that you had. What happened? When did you get out of the water? When did you become something that you never thought you would become? And I want to let you know today, you don't have to live that way. That does not have to be the rest of your life or the rest of your marriage or the rest of your career or the rest of the way that you see your future going. You can recapture the fire and you can get back in that water and you can re-enter the room, but you're going to have to make some changes going to have to go back there in your mind. You might have to say your vows all over again. You might have to get on one knee all over again. You might have to go and embrace that person that you said you would never embrace. And you might have to say some words like, I'm sorry. And you might have to re-enter a room in a different posture just like the prodigal. But I'm telling you, if you're willing, God will help you walk back into that room. And in the year ahead, 2020 does not have to be dry like 2019. 2020 can have passion back, can have zeal back, can have joy back, can have adventure back, can have miracles back. Because God is on the shore inviting you in. There was one more thing. God needed to have happen. And so Jesus, under heaven's guidance, calls Peter to one side and says, Peter, there's one more conversation to be had. I'm glad you re-entered your net because now it's full. I'm glad you got back in the water because now you're wet. But I need you to come over here with me. Jesus lights a fire. And Jesus says, Peter, I have a question for you. Do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. And then Jesus says, Peter, second time, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, Lord, I just told you I did. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep, build my church. Third time, Peter, do you love me? By now, he's frustrated because he's like, I keep telling you. But yes, Lord, I love you. 
Jesus says, then Peter, feed my sheep. See, Jesus was asking him three times because he knew that for every denial, he would need a re-entry of the room. So Peter, you denied me once, so I'm gonna allow you one question for that re-entry. And now I'm gonna allow you a second question for that re-entry. And now I'm gonna allow you a third question for the final re-entry because I am committed that you get back in the game. And I am so committed that you get back on course with the call on your life that for every denial, I will open the door of re-entry. And for every failure, I will open the door of re-entry. And for every time you said you didn't know me, I'll open the door of you love me so you can re-enter the destiny that I called you to back then. Peter, re-enter your net. Peter, re-enter the water. And Peter, re-enter your commitment. I don't know where this message finds you. And I don't know which room you need to begin with. I don't know if it's in your personal life, if it's in your spiritual life. I don't know if it's in your family or if it's in a friendship. I don't know if it's in your confession or if it's in your thought life. I don't know where it is, but God knows. And He stands on the shore today and He says, Friend, you want to re-enter the room? You want to go again? You want to believe me for better? Because I'm here and I am well able to help you re-enter this room. So in this room right now, I wonder if we could all stand to our feet. And I want to ask two things, first of all. going to ask you just close your eyes where you're at just almost take a moment to visualize the room you want to start with don't overwhelm yourself and say well I have so many rooms just start somewhere pick one maybe as a couple you know it's your marriage maybe it's a friendship maybe it's a forgiveness area maybe it's just an area of believing for a miracle again Right now, as eyes are closed, if you're saying in any way, there's a room I want to re-enter, I just want you to lift your hands. I'm just going to pray over us all in this moment. My hands are raised because I'm re-entering a lot of rooms. I'm just on a journey. I'm like, God, I'm not stopping till I've been through every one. God, you see our hands raised. God, you already know the answer to the question of whether we have any fish you know the question in our life and what it sounds like. And you know the room that these hands represent. And God, as we extend them to you, God, I'm asking that you would anoint today every hand that is raised with a fresh sense of hope and willingness to take the handle of the door in that room of their life and re-enter. I'm praying today for fresh hope for marriages. I'm praying today for a fresh sense of belief for a teenage relationship with their parent. I'm praying today for a sense of hope to come back to the business where they feel there's nothing left in the room to give. I'm praying for the weary one. I'm praying 
praying for the disillusioned one. I'm praying for the offended one. I'm praying for the one that has more questions than they have answers. Oh God, as we lift our hands today, would you come by the power of your spirit and would you strengthen every weary soul and would you revive every tired heart and would you reignite every person in this room to be on fire for you once more. God, I pray over this house, a re-entry moment for every single life. As your eyes are closed, you can lower your hands. Just one more thing I want to ask. Maybe some of you here today need to re-enter the room called salvation. Not religion, not church attendance, but salvation. Maybe you are the prodigal. Maybe you did walk out. Maybe you slammed the door on God and somehow you find yourself here today and you're thinking, could I come home? I'm telling you, it's not, could you come home? He's desperate for you to come home. Just like when that prodigal re-entered the room, he found his father with his arms wide open. That's exactly how God stands right now, arms wide open to every lost and every prodigal. Maybe today, if you need to re-enter the room and give your life to God for the first time, or get your life back on track with God, this moment's for you. His eyes are closed, and I'm just looking around for any that want to respond. I'm simply asking you to be bold enough to raise a hand and say, that's me today. I need to re-enter that room. I need to get my life right with God. I need a breakthrough. I need forgiveness. I need the shame lifting. I need a new beginning. I need to walk back in that door that I felt my sin tell me to walk out of. Thank you for all your hands. So awesome. Just keep them raised. And as eyes are closed, we're just all going to pray this prayer together. All of us, we're going to say it together to help you in this moment. So just repeat after me, would you? Dear God, today I choose to re-enter the room of salvation. Today I choose to lay down my sin and shame. And today I re-enter and I accept your forgiveness and I receive a new beginning. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And thank you, God, for calling me your own. Today is a new day in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So good, so good. Love you. Re-enter, church, re-enter. Whatever room it is, have the guts and have the strength and have the courage because God is on the shore and He will help you re-enter every single room.